0: You are now listening to Digital Doorways, where our audience learns from our expert guests as we explore their experiences with branding, transformation, and change. Unlock the digital doorways and embark on a journey of knowledge and growth. Now here is our host, Blue Text founder, Jason Siegel.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of Digital Doorways. I'm your host, Jason Siegel, founder of Blue Text. Today's guest, Jeff Blaine. Jeff is an accomplished and highly regarded leader in the realm of cybersecurity marketing, one of the most exciting industries in technology. He's notably held the role of Chief Marketing Officer at SonicWall and prominent roles with A10 Networks, Armor, and Entrust. And with a wealth of of experience spanning over two decades, Jeff's expertise has significantly contributed to his standing in this great industry. As he navigates both the complex and ever-evolving landscape of cybersecurity, his profound insights into the nuances of the sector, combined with the strategic acumen, have enabled him to effectively lead marketing initiatives that promote, promote cybersecurity solutions to a wide variety of diverse audiences. I personally have had over five years experience collaborating with Jeff on some amazing campaigns super collaborator to work with. And throughout his journey in cybersecurity marketing, he's had pivotal roles in prominent organizations where he's led multifaceted teams to develop innovative campaigns that educate, engage, and empower businesses and individuals to safeguard their digital assets. His visionary approach to marketing has not only ensured that effective communication of this complex cybersecurity concepts but he also positions sought-after thought leader in the field. Jeff's depth of experience, coupled with his commitment to driving meaningful change in the cybersecurity landscape, cements his reputation as a seasoned and influential marketing leader who continues to shape the industry's discourse and direction. I know our whole audience, a lot of cybersecurity marketing professionals and technology professionals are listening to today's episode. I'm really pleased to welcome Jeff Blaine to today's episode of Digital Doorways. Welcome, Jeff.
0: Thank you. What a warm and amazing uh,
1: introduction, Jason. I really appreciate it. No problem. Very much deserved. Um, You know, I recently went to, uh, down in National Harbor, they had the Gartner Cybersecurity Symposium and Summit. And I walked the trade floor and there is 270 of the latest and greatest cybersecurity companies out there. And there was just so much sameness, you know, 50% of the words were repeated over and over again. When you work with a cybersecurity brand in this emerging and growing market, how does a company stand out and really differentiate itself effectively?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you picked up on that and that, and you can go to you know the the Gartner shows you can go to you know the black hat which just finished up you know an r s a and you see a lot of that um a lot of times when you're creating your message and your you know your positioning and your value prop um a lot of times we get into the habit of doing it in a bubble thinking this is good, and then you're kind of hit in the face with reality when you go to a, like an expo floor and see all that um sameness um I was on I think I saw somebody write on LinkedIn this week or last week. like I went to Black Hat and fool me you know, fool me, uh fool me once, fool me twice. I was hoping that, you know, I would see something that actually helped make our lives easier versus hey, just here's here's something about our product roadmap. Um And that's what it comes down to really that, that really resonated with me is just solving real world problems and not try to force companies to, to that roadmap. Um, And so when you're talking about differentiating and standing out, I think that's kind of where you have to, you know, figure out how you, how you communicate, you know, product to the, the, the business outcome, the organization outcome. Because in the end, they don't really care about your product or your company. How are you going to make, you know, Uh, their lives easier.
1: And what are some of the key factors that when you're looking at leveraging thought leadership as a way to get your brand and your product set out into the market, what are some of those key factors that you have found that contribute to really establishing the true thought leadership within uh, the perspective or subset of the cybersecurity industry you're marketing at that time?
0: Yeah, and I think the industry as a whole... Is doing a better job of that, um, but I, uh, you know, but we still fall into a lot of the same traps. Um, one thing I always, you know, I, I want to be sure of is yeah, don't talk about yourselves. Um, that's like, you can a lot of Jason. I'm sure you've seen that. You see a company's like corporate deck or their pitch deck, and they come out with stats about themselves and like. Um, that's a terrible story arc. That's a tip that, you know, you're you you know the the person doesn't really. It's nice, okay, great, but put that stuff at the back. Talk. Let's talk about the challenge I'm facing and what you can do for me and how you can make my life easier. Um, and the other thing, you know, another thing is just be helpful, be a thought leader, provide value add. Um, that you know, and you're not asking for something. Don't make it transactional. Um, And I know, you know, the marketing side of me is like, well, you know, we want to make it a little transactional. We want to know who you are, so we capture your name, you know, you know, nurture you as a lead. But um, you know, there's that some of that is required. But just be helpful, be there. I think that really, um, you know, educate. I think that really um, resonates with you know, with prospects and customers, you know, as they're trying to solve a problem trying to learn about you know a new technology or an emerging trend or a new threat um and that's what that really comes down to adding the real value to build that trust and that's that's not easy to do and that takes a long time um but it's just it it all goes back to being a thought leader and you know building that trust and being someone they can come to and it's not just to you know prospects and customers either um the same thing goes to um you know if you're um if you've got a PR component of your you know marketing mix, um same thing goes with um with the media. Um if make yourself available, be a resource, uh, be someone that they can you know call on to educate or get some insider perspective on. Um you start being collaborative and helpful and transparent and adding value, you know, it'll pay dividends.
1: Give and get, give and get. It's great advice. Yeah. And You know, there's so many subfields in cybersecurity, like network security, endpoint protection, clouds security. How can a company in today's age and the noise, how does it position itself as an all-encompassing expert?
0: Um, Think of the the real answer is uh, they don't or they shouldn't. Um, If we're talking about, you know, a cybersecurity company, Um, there's just not a single company or a single vendor that can do everything, no matter which security, you know, framework uh, they subscribe to, um, how they're trying to, you know, what approach, whether using, you know, layered or defense in depth or zero trust, or it's just not one company. There's no magic. It's cliche, but there's no silver bullet. There's no magic pill. It's just, it's, it's difficult. So I think, um, where you need to, um, Really focus on is, um, as I said, offering a, a offering a solution to a real issue, and be cost effective. and um, And I think they'll see the value of it. Under organizations, I think that today understand. I mean, at least ones that are probably playing in the spaces with the you know the sort of the mid level cybersecurity companies understand that they're going to need you know multiple products, and it does become complex um, just because there are so many facets to to the to the industry, and it's kind of like that's why you we see such the you know the growth and the importance of MSPs and MSSPs in the space as well because they kind of take a lot of that burden onto them onto them and their organizations.
1: Now, our audience really wants to understand, you know, CMOS dealing with complex organizations with different business units and different stakeholders. And they're all seeing the go-to-market package, and everyone's giving their feedback. And being able to facilitate and manage all the different stakeholders internally is an art and a science in itself that you have clearly succeeded in. How do you balance when you've got technical folks that are really looking for technical depth and sophistication and all the right buzzwords so it sounds like them, And then the business leaders looking for marketing messages, making sure a more broader audience uh, can understand and consume this content. And it's not for only the 404 real technical heads. How do you balance that need between technical and marketing messaging when you're going out to market?
0: Yeah, and I I think that's where the importance of some cross-team collaboration comes into you know, into play and, and kind of what, where the messaging is going out, uh, at the core of that, you're going to really rely on your product marketing team. But if they, if your product marketing team is stubborn and they just want, you know, feeds and speeds and bullet points and, you know, data sheet stuff, it becomes very difficult. Um, but if you've got a more proactive and a modern, you know, product marketing team that can help, you know, distill the information up and down, um, or, you know, complex and and more simple, that's, that's huge. Um, But then your, your, your marketing, your Marcoms people have to have the chops too. So they need to be able to say, okay, I can understand this. Uh, I can compute it and I can up-level it to the various audiences or segments or personas that I need to. Um, On the flip side of that, you know, you've got to have, you know, the proper training um, regimen um, for your, your end customers, your, your sales staff, your, employees your your partners etc and that's where you're gonna go you know the other way um, particularly if you're you know a channel organization and you you know' re- really the really channel to to um, implement and deploy you know what is that you know that's where the te- the true technical depth gets in and you know and when you get a lot uh, further down the um, you know the sales um, sales life cycle um, or the deal opportunity life cycle I guess, um, that's where you're really engaged. You know, hopefully, marketing has done their job um, enough to you know communicate the value proposition and the position of the uh, you know of the product or you know solution. And that's where the sales and you know the FC can kind of drive it home from a technical standpoint. So it's really those three or four groups functioning in concert, in tandem, working together, and making sure that you know we're you're covering it all, and it's understandable for the end audience.
1: And you know diving a little bit deeper, I know it's some of the brands that have been fortunate enough to have you lead their marketing. Some of them have had like 30,000 resellers. And when you've got that that huge tidal wave, or this huge community of resellers, are they pulling for more of a technical or more uh, more of a business message do you find from that kind of uh, uh, business source?
0: I think it's all of it. I think they want to be trained because they're selling your products. They want to be trained and they want training, you know, as soon as they can get it, they want the product, you know, collateral data sheet, especially when it's new product, right? Um, They want, uh, but they also want the high level messaging if they need it. They want to, if they're sophisticated enough to run their own campaigns, they want to be able to communicate that. They want to be able to understand it when it comes out. So that may be a little more top down um, you know, of, of how you message that. Um, um, so I think they're, you know, they're an audience or they're, you know, a lot of external partners are customers too. It just comes, comes in different flavors. And I think at some level, you know, they, they all need one or more of all those components.
1: And they all need to be comfortable enough so that they could educate, And sell into market where they're thought of as a trusted advisor because they're truly a reseller. So they have to add value in the middle there. And at BlueTex, when we do lots of rebrands for technology companies, we're always looking for um, or our clients are always looking for a goal of the ultimate trusted feel because that is one of the most key attributes that every brand is looking for is trust and long term trust makes a very sticky customer relationship. And cybersecurity incidents can sometimes lead to a loss of trust. What's your advice out there for our audience about how a company can rebuild trust and maintain credibility after an unfortunate security breach occurs?
0: Yeah, it's easier to hold or rebuild trust and credibility if you don't lose it in the first place. I know that sounds obvious um but most organizations today understand there will be bre- breaches there will be issues um you know it's how you react you know during and after an incident that really matters to them um so my you know I've overseen corporate comms for you know these types of incidents so I understand intimately how you know how it works and what goes into it. But the the one thing I always go back to, whether it's the end customer or the partner or whomever, whomever you're you know, you're thinking about in the moment, is bad news better come from you first. If that happens, you've already gone far and away, you know, been proactive to be transparent. Um you'll get a lot more forgiveness um if they hear it from you versus they read it in, you know, in the media, in the um, industry um, sites, et cetera. Um, And then, you know, you're, you're, you're in fire, you're in total, uh, you know, fire drill mode. And it's, it's hard to come back from that. Um, You've seen so many companies that when, you know, the, uh, the, they sort of do the, the after action report or the autopsy of, you know, what, what, what actions were taken and they were trying, they were trying to, I don't know if they knew they were doing it in the, in the, in the heat of the moment, but they were trying to hide things, or you know, they weren't being super clear about it. And it's hard because there's like a little bit of a fog of war, and um, you know, you're trying to get a situational awareness, and you know, time can kind of ex- escape from you. But it's better to get out way out in front of it, and don't don't ever try to you know hide anything in this you know day and age. Be be right, be transparent, be honest. You know, it'll make it so much easier on on the organization and how people look at um, your brand. And we've seen so many examples of that in the last five, you know, not just the last five years, but there's been some huge examples of that in the last five years.
1: Yeah. And building partnerships and especially in some of the uh, roles you've been in where you've had these huge partner networks and customer networks that being that proactive, uh, not hiding from problems, but taking them head on and showing that you're committed to solving it. that that really builds uh, strong, large uh, partner networks. And let's dive a little deeper in there. What are the challenges and opportunities in leveraging partnerships and collaborations to bolster the overall company's position in the market
0: overall? Yeah, you could kind of look at this a few different ways um, depending on what type of partnership, what type of collaboration um, from a pure Pure marketing standpoint, you know, collaborating with another vendor, you know, is a quick way to up level your brand, amplify your message, particularly if your your brand isn't on par with the other brand. I, you know, someone, you know, partnering with uh, Microsoft, for example, um, obviously you're going to get a much farther reach and, you know, you're bringing your brand up to the level of theirs. The, very good example of how. You know, something like that can help. You also have things like technology partnerships where, um, whether it's an integration or you um, go to the table um, during opportunities together, um, very, you know, um, it's very collaborative and, and beneficial for both parties there. Um you can even do things like uh, con- content syndication to ensure your brand is, you know, getting in front of the right prospects uh, on where they are. Like that's getting a little tactical, but you know, it's part of the you know the collaboration and ensuring your brand is connected to. And this kind of goes to the you know, advertising, you know, program standpoint, but is in the eyes of who you want and you know connected to the the brands where you appear. And I'm not sure this is a partnership or collaboration, but you know I, I always think um, you, know, you know this isn't my opinion uh, this is well known, but just understanding um, what you do from your approach to AR, um, you know winning over the analysts um, and I think if you look at you know um, your analyst relations program and your this a um, a partnership with the analysts, um, it will not only you know help what you do from a brand standpoint. From a marketing standpoint, but obviously, you know, from a product standpoint, whether it's there, you know, evaluating your product, you know, twelve months while it's on the roadmap to help you guide you and ensure you're not missing anything, and see how you're, you know, you're being differentiated and where you're positioned, you know, within a given, you know, segment of the market, or um, you know, just evaluating where you're going and as it relates to to the market. You know, we've all seen the, the various reports that you know, people have a lot of trust in. And and then on the flip side of that, it's self-serving to the marketing team, because then you can kind of use those as, you know, high value assets and and content that you can uh, market, you know, assuming you have been, you know, you're in good standing with those analysts and, you know, they've placed you in wherever they placed you in their, their graph or their quadrant, et cetera.
1: You know, a lot of people are asking me to make sure that every guest gives some insight into how AI is being leveraged both in work streams to deliver marketing and what their perspective on is is AI this you know this fifth revolution or is this truly just a hype? Just gonna be a blimp and it's we'll be laughing about this in the future. How do you see the convergence of AI, machine learning, and cybersecurity impacting the strategies for becoming a leader in the field and then also in driving out, um, better marketing work streams.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not a technical product person, so, you know, maybe (laughs) just take, take that, take that disclaimer for what you, for what it is. But like, uh, when you're looking at it from a product standpoint, if we're not already seeing, you know, the use of AI and machine learning, um, you talked about going to events, and it's just kind of everywhere. Um, I don't want to say it's been—I don't want to say the the technology has been commoditized, but I, I think using it as a messaging differentiator definitely has. Um, but it, it will continue to, like all things, it'll it'll—I think it'll give us time to fo- to take away some—I want to say easier work, but more monotonous work that will, gives us the opportunity to focus on bigger tasks, challenges, strategies, et cetera. And that applies to marketing as as, as well. You know, when, you know, chat GPT really hit the market, you know, so many people like on the marketing team were kind of freaking out a little bit because, you know, oh my God, am I going to have a job? What's interesting about that now that it's, you know, everyone's really dug, dug dug into it in the last, you know, six to 12 months is it's been really stress tre- stress test by you know, millions and millions of people. And I kind of believe, and this is maybe anecdotal and me using it myself is the, the, and there's some understanding of what it can and can't do, but I think the trust of it um, is actually going down a little bit. Now it'll continue to evolve and grow. um, But I, you know, as a communication professional, and that's kind of my background, communication, messaging, position, content, I think it can do a lot. It can make a lot of like, Tasks automated and and do a lot of the, the time consuming stuff that we used to have to do by hand, but it won't replace a lot of the the human components. Um, um, you know that that's really important. You know to making connections to um, to building and ideating something. That no one's ever seen before, and that's you know as you know, that's you know a big piece of you know the creative the process the the brand um, the marketing message, et etc so I think it's an exciting time, um, but I think it's got a my opinion is it'll be used you know for a lot of little things, but I don't think it's replacing a, you know everything all at once like everyone was kind of fearing it you know six months ago, twelve months ago.
1: Yeah, and I heard the same thing from a lot of my talented staff. Is AI going to replace me? And I said, no, not at all. But what would replace you is someone that knows how to use the AI tools and you refuse to. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that message was heard loud and clear. And um, our team is using AI and generative AI to brainstorm uh, images and communicate Mm -hmm. with 3D artists in better ways than ever before because prompting to mid journey can get Mm -hmm. us what's going on in a creative's mind visually in front of uh, a 3d artist that originally create something. And a lot of, as you mentioned, low level uh, copywriting Uh, it's amazing what uh, AI tools can do to streamline work streams and allowed us to act like Doc Ock from Spider-Man. And just, you really at times feel like you've got, much more than two arms, so I'm really loving it. Um, I, th- I think it's fascinating, and my productivity. Um, I'm really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, and I don't think we're ever going, to or at least in its current iteration, we're going to repeat where a you know front-end web developer is pulling out you know web copy straight out of Chat GPT and putting it into you know um, you know onto the site. Right, there has to be an element of human review. Um, in there Um, and someone who understands messaging and then and I think use uh, it it being used as a tool you kind of alluded to that is the perfect point innovation technology tools have come about forever it's how the you know it's how the people adapt to it and leverage it and embrace it is really what matters yeah
1: like predictive subject lines and grammarly like this has all been it's just that this was sort of a triple leap versus those incremental steps. Um, but all exciting times ahead. Talk to me a little bit about, I know you're a messaging guru. You got a lot of experience on the comm side. Give us some insights into, you know, you've know, you got a very mixed channel market out there and a very crowded marketplace and the uh, the native format of how things are supposed to be published. But give us some insights into how you maintain Control over delivering a consistent message and brand across such an emerging, different, crowded uh, set of mediums and marketplaces.
0: Yeah, and it's not easy. Um, and the larger the organization, the larger the teams, the more you know complex and and daunting it becomes. Um, you know, the best way to do it is you know first, and it's just my opinion. You know, having Assuming you have some of the bait, say like you have your whole message house and your position, all that, you've got it all, you've got everything you need, but it's how you want, you have a single source of truth, um, to it. Um, so you don't have different, you know, documents in 70 different places, um, and you know, that say different things. And this is, you know, some, somebody, you know, a, a, just a random employee on the other side of the world downloads a uh this this you know this is real world nightmare kind of stuff downloads a uh a PowerPoint from eighteen months ago and is continuing to use it even no matter how many times you tell them you know here's the latest and they just always do this and there are a lot of content management tools out there that can you know um help you manage this and ensure that people are pulling from the latest but single source you know single source of truth um using internal comms to drive home um messaging, um, access to resources, um, whatever's going on and, you know, marketing. So they, you know, understand and they they kind of make it as part of their behavior to, um, you know, to keep things updated and to kind of embrace, you know, what, you know, marketing team or the Marcoms group is doing, um, is really important. And I think it's important. it's like the other thing is, and I feel like it's, this always happens at organizations, but it's hard to be consistent with it is making sure everyone in the organization can do your elevator pitch or or even pitch your corporate deck. doesn't have to be perfect, but making sure that they can understand the story. Um, and at least just walk you through it. Um, when you start getting that in a single voice out there with the same message, you you're, you're well ahead of the game. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of other tactical things, but those are some big things that I've always always kind of like resonated with me. And, um, yeah, completely you know, I, agree. I we often work. tell
1: clients that 50% of the success of a new message and position is how you harness your internal employee base as to how mm-hmm. they deliver that. And they don't have to all memorize it, but if they can be all within, give or take 10 to 15% of the exact same thing, it's like almost always successful when the internal is managed first and you nail that before you go external. Another big thing that I'm hearing these days, and this is going to be uh, our final question. We really appreciate your time is in today's marketing, it seems like the trend is personalization and really breaking down that, you know, we're in a group buying sport. This is not man to man combat. And, Certain folks have more business message and content desires versus a technical buyer versus a procurement buyer. Give us a sense, you know, we work across tons of B2B and B2G technology arenas, but in cyber, which is an area that you have such deep expertise, how important is it for cybersecurity companies to tailor their messaging for those various audience segments? and i know that could be the c suite it could be the practitioner it could be more of uh infrastructure give us some sense of how you've you've focused on segmentation or not as you've driven such success for the brands you've worked with
0: yeah and i think there's a difference between like personalization and like segmentation i personally i don't personally i don't care if anything is personalized to me um uh, but it better be you know, segmented and built for me. You know, it's it's the old adage, the right message at the right time to the right person. I mean, that you don't want to send some super technical thing to the CFO. I mean, that's labor, you know, it's kind of an obvious um, example, but, it, you know, it still holds true. So how you segment your audience is still massively important. I think most organizations with a you know, a somewhat respectable marketing team. You know, already, you know, kind of does these things, um, but then also, you know, obviously the the personal work that you do on top of that, so you have a better understanding of who, what they think, who they are, the demographics around them, and I'm sure you know Blue Text has done a lot of personal work in the past as as well as part of you know deliverables for for customers, etc. Um, but it's in. It's also not it. Just segmenting within, you know, your prospect base, but also potentially segmenting within your customer and potentially your partner base too, because um, those could be very different things. Particularly um, when you're looking at, you know, if you're a cybersecurity company that is, you know, in the channel, how you segment the message to the different types of, um, you know, part, you know, channel partners, because you know, a VAR is not the same as an MSFP. It's not necessarily the same as a, you know, a distributor or maybe like an msp so those messages have to be finely tuned and ensure that you know you're hitting you're communicating what's important to them um so again i think i don't I, I think it's massively important um for particularly anybody that's in b2b or tech or some security just cuz there's a lot of different audiences that are you know looking looking for different things or researching different things or need to be communicated um in a different manner so um I don't think I'm saying anything that people already don't believe, but there you know, are different approaches to it. And that doesn't even get into, you know, different approaches, how you do like, you know, the ABM, like the account-based marketing and, and stuff like that, where you're not necessarily marketing to a person, but you're marketing to a group of people, you know, a quote unquote account within an organization to have a broader, you know, spirit influence, So.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, you look at the previous question where we're looking at AI tools and it's, I feel that the world is because it's getting, I don't know, easier, but the, the tooling to be more and more personalized and segment, segment, segment is, I think that you're going to see more, the personas are not going to consolidate, but they're going to, there's going to be more and more, um, different types of personas because the tooling is going to allow marketers to really customize so many messages in so many ways. Um, and we're not going to be as hamstrung by resources because the tooling's allowing us. So it's, it's really exciting. It's also quite intimidating when you see, when you think about, all right, we're going to move from four key personas to 12, and our social channels are 3 to 15, but there is a lot of automation in there. And, uh, you know, to your point, right message, right package, right time. Um, it's exciting. Uh, it's, I think it's going to allow people to really hone in and target and, to, and cut through the clutter when they wire brilliant messaging with the right tooling and the right design. Um, super, super exciting. Definitely gets yeah. me up in the morning. Jeff, yeah, and, really. And, and that, oh, please,
0: please. I was just going to conclude. Um, you can have all the best intentions, but if your marketing ops team doesn't know how to build out your your um, you know segment your database and 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 build that out you know, from like a, a campaign canvas, it's not going to do you any good. So it goes back to sort of data hygiene. Um, so if you want to do X, Y, and Z, but your database is a you know a a mix a mismatch of just garbage data, it's not going to really matter. So we're talking about, and honestly, I haven't really researched this as much as I probably should, but what are, um, how is it AI changing how some of those, you know, CRMs are platforms are, are evolving um, and how that could, you know, better empower marketing ops teams to, because a lot of that is super data, you know, labor intensive work um, that those, those folks do, you know, behind the scenes to, you know, make all the marketing happen. So.
1: Yeah, you know, garbage in, garbage out. But the CRMs do seem to be very like sort of self-healing, auto-populating, filling in, you know, different fields that you didn't have by scraping on the web. And um, definitely a lot of that CRM pain is AI is uh, picking up some of that grunt work. So um, hopefully there won't be too much garbage in so that marketers are pumping out garbage out. Um, But uh, time will tell.
0: Jeff, we know you're super busy.
1: Really, really appreciate your time and joining us today on Digital Doorways. Um, We'll look forward to keeping in touch with you and having you on a future episode. Thanks so much today. All right.
0: Thanks, Jason. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.